0: Welcome back to Beholder to Know on a TTRPG Podcast. Today I have two guests who knew each other already, but that's that's okay. We have Ian Rabnos from Gahanna Gaming. Hello. Hello. And we have Galazia. Hello. Uh, so we're going to have you guys just say where you're from really quick, and we'll jump into the topic of the day, which spooky Halloween episode, because it's the Halloween episode, and it's about what horror genres, basically, what makes horror genres fun. For us individually but let's start with glazia
1: hey everyone i'm glazia i go by they them i love a lot of horror stuff honestly i'm a big fan of not watching or like watching tv shows or movies that are horror just because i easily have nightmares but for whatever reason i really get into like horror books and horror games and the scarier the better so that that's my thing That's why I'm here. (laughs) Also, I'm a monster appreciator. Hi.
2: (laughs) Monster appreciator. I like that. Hi, I'm Ian. I'm the founder of Gehenna Gaming. We're a horror media, primarily TTRPG company, that group, that does horror TTRPGs on YouTube, Twitch, at conventions near you, and also a whole bunch of other stuff. I am a massive fan of all forms of horror media. I got started in books, video games, TTRPGs, and of course movies, but I just like things that go bump in the night.
0: Yeah. Much like Glaza, I am not a fan of movies. (laughs) Because, see, my thing is music and sound alternate and make it way worse for me, so then I will have nightmares. But, but tabletop games, books... Or role playing anything like that. That type of stuff I am totally down for. If you can give me the darkest, scariest thing ever that will give me shivers when I'm playing it, then bring it on as gory, as psychologically fucked up as you possibly want, pretty much, Uh, much to some people's chagrin. But yeah, I uh, also like writing horror for some reason, even though I'm not very good at it. But that's okay. So, We'll just like start with what makes horror genres fun. So personally, for me, it's just I think it's the emotional connection and the psychological roller coaster. The random throw in of positive things and like happy moments and then the nope, we're going to take that all away from you and see how that possibly can be done. And in tabletop games, it's like you never know when the next shoe is going to drop. So it's it gives you that adrenaline rush while being in the safety of your home.
1: (laughs) Yeah. For me, like I said, I personally enjoy like I wouldn't watch a movie, but I'd read it on Wikipedia so that I'm up to date with all the horror stuff. What I really like about horror, especially in TTRPG games, is how connected the people become. The players that play it, the especially if it's like a final girl situation, everyone's 10 candles is perfect. I want to play that so bad. (laughs) It's so good. Ten horrors is such a great game to play because you already expect everyone to die. And it does give that freedom to the characters to like just go ham batshit crazy into it because they're like I'm going to die anyway. But um the story that you can tell with it is the character relationships because this is like a very stressful thing that you're all going through together. And uh, whether you make it out or not, like the character, like the the players that are in it, they, they become, they just become like super close to each other, super friendly. I I just really like that aspect of um, playing horror games because you, you, you bond together at this thing that makes you afraid. And is that a good thing? Is that a weird thing that we have to explore about my personality? I'm not sure, but I, I am having a great time. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the good news is I'm not a therapist, so I'm not going to judge.
2: <laughs> I mean, fear bonding is absolutely a, a known recognized thing, particularly in the military, but in general. So, you know, valid, but to, just to, Ten Candles is also one of my all-time favorite horror TTRPGs. I'm actually running it this Saturday, coming Saturday. Um, In person for the first time, I've only run it digitally, which is really weird. But for me, I think that the joy of horror in general just comes from telling people stories that get a visceral reaction of any kind, whether that's fear, joy, and just seeing that emotional journey. Um, and going through it with them is really fun for me because um, a lot of the stuff that I do, i mostly GM games. I don't get to run. I don't get to play in a lot of them. I do sometimes, but I'm mostly GM. And it gives me a chance to tell the ideas that are in my head and share them with people in a way and see those reactions instead of writing a book or telling a story where I don't get to. See, it's less interactive.
0: That's that's definitely fair. So the first horror like full-on horror game that i played that actually was like what the fuck was cult divinity (laughs) on weave the tale (laughs) from my first stream game for weave which why i jumped into that one i don't know i didn't i was like will i enjoy this and my friend said yes yes you will and i said okay
2: cult is a great game cult is Uh, I've heard it described as the black metal of TTRPGs. I don't know if that's necessarily accurate, but it's definitely, just to give an example, whenever anyone says, I really want to tell like a Hellraiser kind of story in a TTRPG, I just say, just grab the cult core book. You'll be fine. It's there. It's basically Hellraiser, the TTRPG. Yeah.
1: If we're talking about like systems that bring out horror really well, personally for me, I know a lot of people don't think of it as horror, but Monster Care Squad can be terrifying because you're dealing with monsters and you're dealing with monsters that has psychological powers and all that and i remember one game that i played where i ran it and um basically it's you expect it to be wholesome and sweet because you're healing people but the effects of it one of basically like turned a lot of the people in the in the space station into, like, mind-controlled, like, zombies. And you can see the visceral fear in all of my players as they're, like, terrified of what's happening because, like, a group of scientists just turned around and started screaming at them to get out. And it was just so good. And And that's, that's why I love Monster Care Squad because you can blend this whole, like, wholesome and horror thing, which is basically describes me as a person. So... <laughs> Monster Care Squad! Not many people expect it, but it really is terrifying. A lot of the monsters that you read there are scary as hell.
0: I will say that this game isn't terrifying specifically, but it does a do a good job of being wholesome, yet sad or psychologically traumatizing. Um, and that's Wander Home. Oh, it I've is heard s- things about it. It is so adorably sweet, but. Like your backstories are fucked up. So like those stories come into play a lot and you see the emotional baggage that comes with each of the characters while nothing bad is happening currently necessarily or nothing terrible is happening. You have little moments of like abandonment issues or like um, like there is a moment where my character just got really sad because her one the friend that never abandoned her left her for somebody else. To, just to visit, but my character was like nine, and she took it completely differently, and they're like, oh, e- everybody's going to leave me? And it just like, the sadness, and then the the conversation that happened after it was like, yes, emotions, do it. So less horror, but it was still a great game. But have either of you played Sleepaway?
2: I haven't played Sleepaway, but I produced a Sleepaway actual play that we ran on gehenna that paula hawthorne um art and audio on twitter did fantastic gm amazing runs fantastic games so i've gotten to watch the an entire session including like the the in-between talk and more mechanical stuff that happened off screen because i was the producer for it
0: we're doing one in weave right now and it's so much fun yeah like at first i'm like how is this gonna be scary oh that's how it's gonna be scary got it Mm -hmm. nope i figured it out Got it.
2: Yep. Much like I think that and Wander Home are both J Dragon games, right? Yes. Yeah. Much like Wander Home. It definitely pulls a lot of the scary from not what the players are doing, but either the backstory or the environment.
0: Yeah, like you draw a card and you're like, I want to bring in the lindworm. And then you draw a card and then the card tells Mm -hmm. you what happens. So like the first scary Mm -hmm. thing that happened after like all this really cool, like just chill session was you find an arm, just, like, an arm in the middle of the forest, and you're like, what? Why is there an arm? And then, like, slowly you discover, like, you as players have worked together to discover what it is, and it's like, oh, it's the guy you were literally just talking to 20 seconds ago. What do you mean it's the guy I was just talking to? That doesn't make any sense. I was just talking to him. That is a mm-hmm. corpse from, like, 20 years ago. What are you talking about? Yep. So, it's fun. And, and it just... I had so much. But I think with the cult game, it was actually, I did that trauma bond thing in character. And that's how Elliot and I, uh, Chaos Them, became really good friends because our characters were connected by a backstory where my character's girlfriend died. And I had to describe how they were brutally murdered on stream and made it up on the spot uh, as my psychologist was being uh, gaslighting my character. And the person that Elliot was playing was the mortician who relived the death of my character's girlfriend. So we just like trauma bonded. And if that game would have continued for another session, we were like at the end of the first session, we were holding hands and we were talking in chat, like, are we, are we trauma bonding now? Are we going to be trauma dating soon?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Elliot's a great role player too. I've run a game for them. I ran a short mini series of the game chew, which is based on the comic. They were were fantastic.
1: One of my favorite scenes that was terrifying to me personally, and it wasn't even a horror game itself. It was like a space opera sort of game. But there was uh, a character uh, by Noir, uh, the Noir Enigma, and uh, they were doing this angel that was just tired of humans and want to go home and the way they were talking about it the way they were explaining like how the angels look down at humans and whatever them not realizing that I'm not actually human but like the way they were talking was like absolutely terrifying it was clinical it was a villain and I felt like terrified um and it and then afterwards I was like This is kind of hot, but also this is terrifying. I'm scared out of my mind. But yeah, I just like, you can have horror come up in any game. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it could, it'll always fit. Like even in a small romantic game, you can have a little bit of horror and people will be just like, you know, and it's not just like, ooh, scary ghost horror. But like, sometimes the best horror stories are just humans being terrible to each other.
2: I think it's really easy to forget that any any genre needs to have elements of other genres in it, and because it, humans are not one dimensional creatures, we're complex, and we. So a good horror story will also have romance and comedy and lightheartedness because that helps us recognize what is scary and differentiate fear from other emotions instead of just being like on the entire time. I think that's one of the things um, that really separates good horror video games from bad ones as well, because there are a lot of bad horror video games. (laughs) It's because they try too hard.
0: I think the games that are the games in TTRPGs are the books that are just constant horror, go, 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 go. Like Eventually you get kind of numb to it or it becomes overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So like, I know that there have been games that I've played that were horror-esque, psychological messing with you, but For like four or five sessions, we got no answers. We just got more things thrown on us and more things thrown on us. And we're like, look, we need something. Because like at the point near the end of that fifth session, my character was so numb that they just punched a random person in the face for no fucking reason. They're like, the door opened. It was inconvenient for her and she punched him. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? I didn't like his face. You know what? I don't fucking care anymore. I'm done. I'm so done. I just want to save my wife. What the fuck is happening? And like add a character, we're like, can we, can we please get some answers? Please, please, for the love of God, give us some answers for something <laughs> and stop peeling more layers of this onion yeah. or at least solve one of the layers. So we have some closure, like we did something and it's worth it's worth something. And we're not just hopeless beings trapped in this enigma of chaos.
1: I have a question for everyone. When you play a TTRPG, that's obviously very horror. What's your go-to character type usually? Like the one that you usually end up using uh, for any horror TTRPG campaign. I'm kind of curious. I'll answer first. This is usually my normal one anyway, but the, the comedic gremlin type character, that is always like my my fallback, especially if it's a one-shot and I just found out that I'm going to be in it like in a couple of days. Like, all right, it's going to be gremlin, comedic character- that will be a coward. That's what it is and they'll find their redemption because they become brave finally. But that's that's my fallback all the time.
2: <laughs> For me, it's racking my brain because I normally run games and in the the one like long standing horror ttrpg i play in. i'm playing a character that's very similar to myself so that that doesn't count but when i do get invited to play in other games or in one shots i i will usually pick one of two kind of archetypes which is like the strong silent type of character which is more me wanting to play a role where i can sit back and let other people like have the spotlight and play more of a support supporting role or taking on very much a kind of bombastic character who stands out, not necessarily like comedic, but just who stands out in a very showy way. Um, there's yeah. one game, like in one D and D game that I played in, which wasn't a horror game, but it's a good example I can think of. I play a gunslinger gnome who is very inspired by like doc holiday and like Western. Sharpshooters, but he's got a very loud, upfront, in-your-face personality. Or in other games, I've played more of like I think there was an Alien game I played a Doctor in, and I was just very like weird and creepy, even though I wasn't a villain in any way, shape, or form. So it was just that very stand out of like this guy is unnerving. Why is he? Why why is he around us? Sort of thing.
0: I think my go-to is the charismatic one that was that's trying to keep the group together but also is trying to hide that they're terrified. Or it it seems like with my vampire games, I play these sweet, innocent types that slowly go to a darker route Mm -hmm. as they learn about the real world. And they're like, I'm just going to help everybody. It's going to be great. We're going to be fine. Oh my fucking Jesus, what is happening. And it's fun to watch them crumble and fall slowly. But yeah, I think those are my two biggest ones. I also like playing the skeptic though. Especially if it's like a, we did a Deadlands game and we ended up running into zombies. And my character was a huckster that didn't believe she was a huckster and thought her powers were from God. And she was a preacher's daughter. And for the entire time, even though she's casting magic against these zombies, she's just like God's will. It's completely like, no, they're just sick. I don't know what you're talking about. They're just sick. They just need to lay down. It's okay. And they're like, there's zombies. Like That's rude. You should not call people zombies. Can you not? Wow. You can't just call people zombies. You can't just say those things. But she was fun. And like she accidentally became evil because she didn't believe the bad things existed. So when they're like, no, you can't have this dark black warlock book. She's like, that's rude. And then she got a dream of the book and she wrote it all down again. And for some reason, the ink was bleeding and turned the book black again. It's weird. I don't know. She doesn't know what's happening. It's probably nothing. It's God's will. Exactly. It's what God would want. It was obviously a, mi- a message. Which from god. god?
2: We're not sure, but
0: it's
1: it's a god. It's
0: still a god. <laughs> it's, it's only the god. It could not be anybody else at all. Nope. <laughs> it's like we literally see a demon behind you. I don't know what you're talking about. That's because you're sinners. <laughs> she she was a lot of fun to play. I I like the characters that try to help other people though, and like end up causing more harm to themselves because they're not thinking about themselves in the process. They're just like helping mm-hmm. or the ones that are so scientifically curious they ignore the problems
2: those are like those are great characters character archetypes in both senses for furthering plots how long?
1: my favorite ones that are that way are the ones that have that they're good they start out good and then they start listening to the villain or the horror being and they're like this is making sense and they're just <laughs> They're just seduced into being a villain because they're like, you are logically making sense to me. And now I'm bad. But well, when that's you put just, it that way. That's not so bad at all. Like that ki- that's one of my favorite things to do as well.
0: <laughs> With the one that was like super curious, I played Red Markets which is a zombie game, resource management game. And I played the scientist who had a trident of syringe needles filled with random mixtures of stuff. And when she attacked, like it would just, it wouldn't do anything specifically like extra, but she was like testing what these concoctions did to the creatures. And she's like literally at one point bleeding out and she's just like studying what happened to the zombie writing notes down. And they're like, um, do you want us to take? it? I, I patched it up already. It's fine. They're like, no, you're still bleeding. She's like, yeah, do whatever you need to do. It's interesting. They turn red. That's really weird. <laughs> it's Like, let's not send her off on her own. She's gonna get herself killed. <laughs> so, if you ever ran a game up for horror, which I know you have, Ian, but I'm sure both of you have. But what is something that's your favorite go to things to add for extra little spice to the to the horror game?
1: I'm actually about to work on a 10 candles campaign. And what I love about 10 candles, and, and that's mentioned earlier is, is that it does have this atmospheric thing where people knowing that they're gonna die, really go all ham into it. And it allows me to go all ham into it as well, because sometimes the most silliest things like walls bleeding and all of that it's it's actually really terrifying like the way you build it up the way you so for me a lot of my horror things are atmosphere there's a little bit of a cold wind or a little bit of a sound or like just rustling here and there just things of the unknown that is not like if you're if you're not in that state of mind that you're you're playing a horror game these kind of things just sound normal, like a wind blowing or like you hear somebody playing the piano. It, it's just normal. But when your mindset is in horror mode, all of those things could be literally anything trying to kill you. So that for me is my favorite thing about running horror games is just making atmospheric suggestions that for normal people normally would be just fine, but like would scare the pants off. Like my players. That's how I like to add the spice to uh, my horror games.
2: And honestly, it, a lot of it is that for me, the only thing I would want to add to that specifically, and then I have something slightly separate, is describing things that are somewhat commonplace or, like you said, a cold wind, but starting with describing it in a way where they don't know what it is yet. So adding to that feeling of the unknown with. You feel like I'll describe a smell and I'll just I'll go really visceral into the detail of what it smells like before I get to the point where they realize, oh, it's rotting meat or it's it's the smell of like fresh cut grass sort of thing. So turning very normal descriptions of things into something that they are going to be concerned about, essentially, like, wait, why is this so creepy? Oh, it's just this. The other thing I really like to do is subverting expectations and doing really commonplace descriptions of things that are terrifying. One of my favorite things to do in Call of Cthulhu when I run that is if they're investigating a room or looking around somewhere, I'll describe the room as they're going through it. And then as they interact with something that was really obviously there for them to interact, and they go back to leave the room or something, I'll just be describing what they see again, and I'll leave something out. Like, oh, the the mannequin is no longer there. Uh, it's like, And it's not that I don't say the mannequin's no longer there. I just don't include it. And then someone will pick up on it. And they're like, wait, where's the... And then it goes from there. Or I'll describe a knocking on a door. And they're like, okay, I go to open the door. And I'm like, what door? There's no door there. <laughs> and it's just like, it uh, it unnerves people to just like have the rug pulled out from them under that and sets them on edge, which makes it easier to continue with the scares after that.
1: I also think like, being specifically describing one thing and only one thing would also make your players go why are you focusing on this one thing Mm -hmm. it's great
0: i think for me it's providing a like too good to be true option like i tend to lean towards psychological things more so than anything so i i like to provide like these things are all all these really good things are happening and then you slowly start to find out that oh hey things aren't actually what you thought they were this person doesn't have the best interest at heart those are my favorite ones to play though i also enjoy personally I, with lots of safety tools i enjoy having characters who just fuck with my character so, so psychologically so i like if players are cool with it i will do that to them as well Obviously, consent is involved in safety tools 100% needed. But the best stories I think have where they're like, do I trust this person or don't I? Like, are they good or is it just me? Like, I'm confused. I don't know what I should do. Like, do I take the safe route and like work for this person who obviously isn't a good person? Maybe, probably, or are they just being misunderstood?
2: I, I like doing that as well. What one thing I especially enjoy is creating situations where characters have to make incredibly difficult decisions to do things that are going hurt other players with safety tools in place but it'll be like i have to like because it could even be like i'm the only way for me to save them is to sacrifice myself or the only way to stop this from happening is to push this person into harm's way but it's going to prevent them from dying so creating those sorts of situations can be very rewarding for players in the long run
0: yeah i think as a player one of the creepier moments that i remember was actually in the cult game it s- sticks with me because just i don't know why but my character was paranoid because of the death of her girlfriend and she always thought she was being followed but nobody believed her that's why she was going to this camp because the psychologist was gaslighting her and is like you're probably full of shit like you're it's nothing's wrong you're overthinking things just let's do this so she's walking down the street and i i tell the gm hey i want to look around to see if anybody's following us. And I look around. And I don't see anything. But then I get a message on my phone. And it's a, in Messenger. There is a video of someone slowly walking closer to my character. From behind. And reaching out to touch her. But nobody is there. And it's like right where she was. And like when she went to go like look around again. Out of panic. The message got deleted. So mm-hmm. she couldn't show anybody else the message. So it was all like. You're just imagining things again, and Mm -hmm. getting her in her head again. And I'm just like, no, no, no. We need to get inside right now. Like, what the fuck? Why are we doing this? Why are we like? We need to (laughs) go, go.
2: Very much that subverting expectations of okay. I go to like show them the message. What message? There's no message on your phone. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's like you go to show the message, and it's you don't have any missed messages. It's Mm -hmm. like what? What do you mean? I don't have any messages. I literally just looked at the message. Like, there's nothing there. You must be seeing things or something. Ah. (laughs) So great. So great. I think I also like ones where it's like with the way you are mentioning like how you have it painted as if it's this one person, but it's all been breadcrumbs leading to a point Mm -hmm. and it's been like planted to be that person. I think I really like that as well as a player and as a GM. I'm not very good at it as a GM personally because I don't plan well enough ahead of time, but occasionally I'll throw something out there that sticks and it's like, wait, that worked. (laughs) ha <laughs> I win, but I think gone girl the the movie oh. and book, mm-hmm. that did a really never, good job. like I've never read the book, but watching the movie was, yeah, I read the book, and I wanted to throw it away, like a dozen times before I hit the halfway point because neither of the characters were likable. <laughs> I need to have someone who's likable in the book. Like I need to root for somebody yeah. in the story. Mm-hmm. Unless I know like one of these people is the bad guy. But like the guy who was being framed was a dick. And the girl who supposedly was killed, her journal was so unrealistic sounding. Like, oh, it's okay that he cheated on me. And it's fine that that he went out late on our anniversary. And I'm like, no, nobody would say that. What is wrong with you? And then you get halfway to the, you get to the midpoint where it changes and you suddenly realize the truth of what's happening. And I was hooked at that point because I'm like, oh, oh, this person's a fucking genius. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm onto your games now. Yep. (laughs) And then I was hooked the rest of the time. I'm like, I'm good. Got this. I love this.
1: It is one of those movies that I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch it, even though it's horror thriller type, mostly because Neil Patrick Harris was in it. And I was like, you're right, I gotta watch it because Neil Patrick it was my it was during my Neil Patrick Harris phase, which um, admittedly hasn't really ended, but also still like it was like in the middle of it. So I was just like, all right, fine, I'll watch this. Celebrities make me watch horror movies. Ryan Reynolds, definitely not a fan of the horror stuff that he did because it's ryan reynolds
2: (laughs) that is very fair there's a bunch of movies i'll watch just because of who directed them just even if the premise isn't interesting to me one thing that you mentioned that made me think of a movie that i think does a really good job in the opposite direction kind of subverting your expectation of who a character is and what's going on is uh, tucker and dale versus evil
1: love that movie
2: where everyone assumes that they're horrible murderers and they're just two normal guys that all of this bad shit is just happening oh, around them.
1: They're just building their camp! Their and little like, camp we house. just house!
2: They just, they just want to go camping and all these kids are dying and they're getting framed for it. It's horrible. But it's a very hilarious movie and it does have some very scary moments.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, it's such a good movie. I think Horns did a good job of that too.
2: I haven't seen that yet.
0: So, I really like Joe Hill's books. Mm-hmm. And I read Horns and then I watched the movie. And it was actually pretty spot on to the book, which was surprising because usually that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. So, I, that's why I don't like watching movies based off books. But you watch
1: the movies first and then you read the books. So, the books are like an extra enjoyable
0: thing. <laughs> I think my issue is I would not want to read the book after watching the movie if I didn't like it. Like, the only exception to that rule of the book. The movie being better than the book was Princess Diaries or Princess Bride. I'm sorry. Oh, the Princess Bride. Yeah. the Princess Bride. Just because like, I don't know, I, I, I didn't finish the book because like once it got to the point where it started like trailing off of the story part that was interesting. I'm like, yeah, I'm bored.
2: I will say you both have probably not seen many of them because you don't watch a lot of horror movies. But most Stephen King movies are better than the books because they get to the point faster. <laughs>
1: I understand that a hundred percent because Stephen King's books are not as tight as you yep. want it to be. So mm-hmm. you, when you watch like I think I've watched one movie and I was like, "This is a great movie." Never watching another Stephen King movie ever again. I am so happy to have had this this experience. It was The Mist. It was like super oh, depressing. Oh
2: yeah, and that, I was like,
1: oh "My that's God,
2: <laughs> that's I not had- a great entry point for."
1: I oh, it was so painful. I was just like, everything they went through, and then that ending, and I was mm-hmm. like, and then, and then I decided to never watch Stephen King ever again.
2: I love that movie.
1: It's so good. It's, 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 it's still it's, in my mind, like, after all these years. I've only watched it
0: once, and I've, I've never forgotten You
2: that know what movie. it is? It's the perfect Ten Candles movie.
0: Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched any Stephen King movies, but I read, or I listened to the audiobook of It. Mm. which the voice actor did a wonderful job of making that terrifying. Um, So I had nightmares even listening to the audiobook because of the actual voice acting. But it was still really long. It was like 40 something hours, I think, of audio, if I remember correctly.
2: His books are very long.
0: They're very long. He doesn't like to. He's the
1: type of writer that goes by the seat of his pants. Mm-hmm. he's that kind of writer um he doesn't plot or anything he just lets the story come to him so that's why it's really windy <laughs>
2: yep
0: <laughs> i think that's why i liked joe hill a little bit better is because it was like a tame it was a tamer version but also a more modern version even though they a lot of his books are based in like the 80s and like i read a it was a novella but there was a story where like a camera took away people's memories and eventually erased who they mm-hmm. were completely, which is a terrifying thought because you don't know what's happening. You just see somebody's like slowly erasing until like at some point in the middle of the story, they accidentally or they take a picture of someone and they're like, what are you doing here? And they're like, what What do you mean? What am I doing here? You shouldn't be here. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Here? <laughs> just- and he's like trying to figure out what's happening.
1: Dean Koontz is also another horror writer that I enjoy. Very Odd Thomas was one of my favorite series. Yep. I haven't watched the movies, but Odd Thomas, the book, the books were really good.
2: The movies, also very good. They did nice. a very good job adapting it.
0: I used to read a lot of Dean Koontz. Like, he was literally my favorite author in high school to read. I don't know what happened as an adult. I just wasn't into it as much anymore. Because maybe it's because I read so much of it, it like seems predictable now. Like I can kind of predict. read
1: it all already kind of thing.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how it felt like. Like even though I know I haven't, it just became like I can tell what's going to happen because it's like the same vibe each book or like the same couple of vibes. But I did like the alteration in the books between different viewpoints until they eventually got into the same scene. I really did enjoy that. Um, because you're like, okay, how are these two going to connect? Like, what is happening? How- oh, there's three. Oh, there's four. Okay, how are y'all connected? Oh, that's how you're connected. Okay. I just got disappointed when the answer was aliens at the end. <laughs> I'm like, why Why aliens? Could have been anything else. Honestly,
1: I don't think I'm afraid of aliens. I'm not either. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. So lackluster. I'm not, I'm terrified of, like, human villains ghosts i can be terrified elder beings definitely shout out to call cthulhu and delta green which i'll be playing later but really like i'm not scared of aliens i feel like i would be friends with an alien and if i die because of an alien it'll be a worth it death kind of situation so i'm not terrified of aliens
2: yeah i'm not i'm not either i know some people who the abduction side of it is scary for them, but that's I think that just as a general abduction is terrifying, like in in any sense for me over the years, the two things that have ended up actually being like terrifying to me are full core, very much in that sense of like the unknown of nature and the world around us and things not being what they seem and then, also in the more, I guess, European sense or British sense, since they kind of, they've really hammered home the genre, the the small town cult oh, vibe, yeah. like Wicker Man or Midsummer uh, movies like that, or stories like that rather. That you you visit a town where everyone is on the same page, and you are not. <laughs> what
0: movie did I watch? It's the Wax movie. Oh, that one. The one
1: that has Paris Hilton in
0: it? I think. House of Wax. House of Wax. That's it. That one kind of had that vibe. I didn't like... Mm. There was like... I watched that movie. Like, I don't, I don't watch a lot of horror movies. Like, I've watched all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies because my best friend's obsessed with them. Like, all the Jason movies because she's obsessed with them. I've watched House of Wax. And that one had a few moments where I'm just like, ah ha, ha, why why is this thing and and the two moments were anything to do with like cutting off appendages specifically like fingers Mm. it's just like ah no so when they're trying to like their lips were super glued together and they're like wiggling their finger trying to get attention from someone and the bad guy's just like nope that's not cool and just takes care of it and i'm like no thank you (laughs) and then the second one was when he finds his friend and the eyeball just randomly moves Mm. Because they're still alive, which kind of leans on t- kind of towards my phobia of dolls, though. So I think it's like it's a wax statue, even though it's not a wax statue. And I know that, but my brain doesn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ah, it's moving. But like the part where he's like trying to get the wax off of him, but the wax has been infused into his skin. And I'm just like, ah, no, thank you. Go away. <laughs> I don't like it. But it was a good movie.
1: <laughs> I think one of the movies that really changed my outlook on horror is pan's labyrinth
2: yeah that's a great movie
1: that one really changed like what would terrify me and how i want to terrify people pan's labyrinth has just like basically both worlds that the character is in is terrifying for different reasons and the way the way it worked it just like and and the ending of it, you're not sure whether whether she dreamt it all up and you know just died, or whether it was something that she had to that it actually happened. And I love those kind of endings where you're like, you can come up with how you decide uh, it's gonna be, and both will be just fine, like story wise. So Pan's Labyrinth is another one of those horror movies where I'm just like, great. I watched it one time, stuck in my head forever. I'm never watching it again. I've had nightmares of that guy with the eye for the hands for like, still now I still have nightmares about it. Worth it. A hundred percent. We'll never watch it again. But
2: <laughs> worth it. Out of curiosity, because neither of you watch horror movies much. How do you feel about m- movies that could very easily be classified as horror movies, but they're shifted to be geared towards more for kids like Coraline.
0: I enjoyed Coraline. Interesting. I love Coraline. It I is- didn't think I would. It is definitely horror.
1: Like yeah. I like I watched it, and I'm like, great! I am not going to watch this again. But it's very cute, and it's very like... Oh, Coraline was such a good story. Yeah. Terrifying, but so good.
0: Mm-hmm. I, d- I didn't think I would just because of the whole like doll aesthetic kind of thing going on. But because it was more cartoony, I think is why it toned it down a little bit. So I was able to watch it, and I enjoyed that. And you could kind of just enjoy the psychological part of it instead of the actual like mindfuckery that was going on but I'm trying to think of other horror movies that I can tolerate
1: every time I come up with a horror movie that I've watched I keep realizing oh I've never watched it again I've never <laughs> I've never I've never picked it up and I still remember Jeepers Creepers Ooh. is one of one of those movies that like really like I don't know why I watched it I don't know why I stayed I was absolutely terrified. And um, seriously, that movie was really creepy. Mm-hmm. And I still that and also The Thing. The Thing was terrifying.
2: That's um, one of but, my all-time favorite horror movies. It's See? so
1: good. It's
2: mm-hmm. terrifying. Jeepers Creepers is also one of those interesting movies where I think a lot of people really love it. But there's also a lot of people who say the ending of the movie ruins it for them, which I don't personally get. I think it's just because like seeing seeing the 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 creeper up close and personal just like made him not scary for a lot of people, which is interesting.
0: Maybe because they had a different version of what he looked like in their head. I think so. <laughs> Because I like I like that aesthetic when you never actually know what they look like, because mm-hmm. it could be anything. And then every person has a different version. So if you talk about it, it's like, oh, actually, I kind of imagined him this way. And then somebody else had imagined it completely different. So like the Goosebumps movies, I know they're not supposed to be terrifying. There's only one that is to me. And it's slappy.
2: Yep. Well, <laughs>
0: slappy. But that's because of my phobia. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I actually... know a lot of people who can't watch that one.
0: Yeah, I actually had a situation where uh, this was last year. So I'm like a grown ass adult, which is annoying to me. But Slappy came on and I was sitting in the living room with my parents and my brother and his wife. And I, I literally started to immediately have a panic attack. And I was like, can we please change the channel? And instead of changing the channel, we started talking about how I was afraid of dolls since I was nine. And how the dolls I was afraid of when I was nine are up in the attic where I was sleeping that night. Yeah, I had a three-hour panic attack. And no, I just you. had to leave the room eventually and nobody picked up on what was wrong at all. And I'm just like, I hate all of you right <laughs> now. Yeah. It's like I love you, but I hate you. And then my mom will still tag me on Facebook with like pictures of like weird doll shit, knowing I'm afraid of dolls. And I'm like, what the fuck? Can you please not?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Can we not do that, please?
0: Like, here's a thing you could do with your old doll heads. And it's like, a doll glowing from the inside with a light. And it's like, mm-hmm. aha, white And you don't know what you're going to see. You just know I've, you're tagged in something.
2: I've seen those.
0: I hate it. I hate it so much. It is a nightmare. But yeah, that, that movie I cannot watch. And I have ADHD. So when it's on, my brain immediately starts focusing on whatever is on the TV.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm like, nope, look away. Look away. You know what's going to happen. And then like, something moves. And it's like, looks. <laughs> it's the worst. So... Last hand minutes, anything else you would like to shout out about or anything fun that you've done or read or watched that you think people should listen to in horror or add more of, etc.?
1: One last thing. I don't know how everybody feels about, what was that movie, Cabin in the Woods? I want to know, uh, it's it's one of those things that I know a lot of horror movie f- fanatics have different opinions in because there's like there are there are people who are big fans and Mm -hmm. really love it and then there are horror fans that are just like well it's not really actually scary it's not actually great um i am on the camp of this is great i love the the whole campy aspect of it i love how the monsters got their revenge at the end i i absolutely love that again the monsters the truly the truly monstrous ones are the humans mm-hmm. that are doing it and even then in the end i'm like well i can understand why they're doing it but also that sucks so it's like it's a whole moral gray situation that i'm like i don't know if i would choose any differently from what the scientists are doing i probably wouldn't be making gambling bets on it but again they've been doing this for like imagine maybe hundreds of years and you have to come up with a coping mechanism. So cabin in the woods for me is a fantastic movie about how numb people can get to horror Mm -hmm. and the capabilities that they can go to, you know, cause harm, whether it is something that's valid or excusable or not, they, Mm -hmm. they, they can really become monstrous.
2: I absolutely love cabin in the woods to quote actually a TikTok My partner sent me yesterday, not being scared by horror movies isn't, doesn't make you as cool as you think it does. Like <laughs> it's okay to admit you were scared by something. And just because something wasn't scary to you doesn't mean it's not a good horror movie or a good horror piece of important media. I think a lot of horror movies have become more introspective and meta Lately, like Cabin in the Woods is very introspective. Humans are the monsters, um, even though they're not the monsters or um, movies like The Witch or The Lighthouse, which are some of my favorite newer horror movies, really explore horror in a different way than movies have in the past. So it's very easy to think of classic horror movies and forget that like some of the best horror movies have honestly come out in the last like 20 years.
0: I know of this movie. I have not seen this movie cabin in the woods yeah
2: um it's it's funny actually yeah i
0: I don't think you'd
1: be as afraid of it as it's one of those movies that are like if given the chance i would watch it again i won't go out of my way to watch it but like if it plays i'm like oh okay i'll hang out and watch because i normally avoid horror movies or tv shows like the plague like i i would like oh it's a horror movie I would switch the channel, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But Cabin in the Woods, I would sit down and watch if it's on TV.
2: Cabin in the Woods has all of the elements of a horror movie. It's gory. There's a lot of like very terrifying looking monsters, but it's never Almost none of the scenes are delivered in a way that's intended to jump scare you or really get under your skin because you're looking at it from the lens of, you know, from the beginning of the movie. That it's a setup. Gotcha. And most of the characters are skeptical of the entire thing. And it's it's just crafted in such a way that it's not terrifying, but it is an amazing horror movie at the same time.
0: That makes sense. I think. I haven't watched it, but the the movie that I recently or I saw a trailer of when it came out um, that looked interesting to me. I don't know if this falls under horror or not, but A Quiet Place. It's definitely Mm -hmm. a
2: horror movie and it's really good.
0: I really enjoyed the concept of it from watching the trailer where like silence was your friend and you Mm -hmm. had to be extremely quiet in order to survive. And just like the few scenes that I did see of like the toy getting batteries and suddenly making noise and the child not realizing it because they were deaf. Those types of scenes were like, Oh fuck. And like had like a strong emphasis on me. So I might enjoy that movie. I think it might still fuck with me, but
2: a quiet place is is definitely horror. There's definitely a lot of very scary things in it, but it is a really, really well-made movie. I still need to watch the sequel, though.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that it would be fun. I don't know if I'll ever watch it to be fair. Um, I don't Um, watch a lot of movies.
1: Bird Box and Quiet Place are those movies that I read on Wikipedia. I won't watch it, but I'll read it. American Horror Story, I've read everything, all the Wikipedia pages. I know exactly what has happened through all these seasons. I have not watched a single episode. I have not- seen
0: some of American Horror Story, and it was it didn't bug me as much for what I, the stuff I've seen at least. There were some scenes where it's was like, ah, why? But like, there were scenes, most of the scenes were just like, okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. What is happening? I have no idea. <laughs> Should I be following along? Well, thank you so much for joining. Let's have everybody say where they can find you. And all the links will be in the description down below. This is going out on October 31st, if that helps with your calendar shout outs at 9am.
1: I can go, hey, I'm glad that I go by they, them. I'm a person of many hats. I'm a podcast host. I am a writer. I am a talk show host of a show called Trial Run, where I interview different TTRPG personalities, gamers, creators, writers, uh, players, uh, and everything else in between. I create a character with them and run them through a quick one-shot of their choice, and it's just a great time. I You can find everything, uh, what I'm doing, my schedule and all that, by just going to bio.link forward slash Glyza That's where all my schedule is at or you can just find me at any of my socials just by looking for at classical gliza i'm everywhere is at classical gliza that's twitter twitch uh tiktok and instagram but i am very very active on twitter as that's where i make all of my announcements a couple projects that i'm working on i guess is the 10 candles campaign uh that's right campaign there's going to be five episodes of the same characters and they're all going to die because this is 10 Candles. And i'm also the casting has gone out for uh spies.edu it is going to be me running a spies campaign using i spy by the brandy rose and it's going to have totally spies uh aesthetic where you're a college student and you're a spy and you have to save the world but also make sure you have a great thriving dating life so keep an eye out for castings it should be out by now uh and hopefully you apply for it and that's
2: I all I'm interested. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I'm Ian E. Muller. I'm the founder of Gehenna gaming. You can find me personally on as at Ravnos on Twitter, like the vampire, the masquerade clan, and you can find Gehenna gaming at all places where Gehenna gamings are sold which is everywhere on the internet. I have a lot of stuff coming up, so I'll try to keep my list short. Tomorrow, I will not actually be in it, but the first episode of Season 9 of ATL by Night airs on November 1st. That will be... I'm not in that episode, but I am in the se- in Season 9, so you can find me over there doing all sorts of fun stuff with my character, who may or may not have somehow been turned mortal again. You can find... I will be... Running a special one-shot of Curse of Strahd later this month with a great cast of players. So you can catch that over on Gehenna Gaming. And I'm also in the process of recording a bunch of our upcoming shows. So I'll be doing that. Most important thing I want to shout out is on November 8th, I am doing a 24-hour charity stream called Brighten the Day, which is to raise money for the neonatal intensive care unit where my son was taken care of before he passed. And that will all funds will go go specifically to that NICU. So we're raising money to help them get new equipment and things like that. So you can find me and my partner streaming all day on Gaming over there on November 8th.
0: I'll put all the links in the description down below. And I have been Nikki as always, um, aka Beholder to No One. You can find me on Twitter at Beholder to No One or on this podcast. You can also find me on Chaotic Wonderful, um, though I mostly produce that show on Twitch, which has episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, you can find me doing the fourth episode of Chronicles of Pine Pass, a D&D adventure on Weave the Tale. This will be the second episode of our evil villain, Cultist Peoples. So come and watch The see if the cultists actually get what they wanted. Tomorrow you can find me on Big Gay Dice Games over on 2000 Tales Roleplaying on YouTube. And we are starting a mass campaign. I don't know what day we're starting, but I'm pretty sure it's already started by this point. So You should check that out. I'm actually not in anything else for the rest of this week because I'm actually taking a vacation, which is a shocker. So I will not be in Sleepaway at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Friday, but you should still go watch Sleepaway because it is a fun game. But I will be back the week after. And um you can also find I'll probably be in something else, honestly. I don't know what, but I'll be in more things. There will not be a Thursday episode this week either for the podcast, but next week you can listen to the hopefully episode nine of our adventure academia game. So that is all for me. If you need any scratch, that is all for me because I'm about to say more shit. If you need to higher for audio editing, video tutorial creations, TTRPG de- development to writing or editing. Or a professional GM, please hire me. That'd be great. Thank you. I need money for Christmas or bills or both. But that's all from us. Uh, Keeping awesome. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Hey, before you go, I just wanted to let you know that this episode was edited by Matt over at Walsh Animation. They are part of the Table Party podcast, and I wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to them, especially because Matt has been such a freaking lifesaver when it comes to editing the discussion episodes recently. So please listen to this ad for Table Party podcast and go check them out and make sure you give them some love. Thanks. What makes Table Party different from other tabletop podcasts?
2: The music. The setting. The characters. The gore. A bunch of different games. The refreshing coldness of ice cream. The 300-foot-tall squid named Delilah. Mm -hmm. The dice rolls.
0: The horrifying body horror.
2: The aroma. The suffering of my players. Dairy Queen blizzards.
0: The luxurious plush texture.
2: The free coupons. Bad decisions.
0: And who can we expect? I'm Kelsey.
2: I'm Matt. I'm Gabe. I'm Walsh. I'm Chris. Welcome to the table party. Welcome to the table party. Welcome to the table party. Welcome to the table party.
0: Welcome to the table party. party.